This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to episode the 42nd of Tamper Tantrum. I am, as always, Colin Harmon and I am joined um, from way over in, <laughs> in um, Southern Europe, Eastern Europe, whatever you want to call it. Sweden. I think it's Northern Europe. Yeah, well, like, we don't really have a good history with this, so I'm going to call it. <laughs> like. So, <laughs> you're in Sweden. I am in Sweden. I was going to do a Swedish accent, and then I went, yeah, no, that's not going to help anybody. I, I don't know if you listened to the one me and Jen did uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, my Swedish chef impression is going down very well here. I can imagine so. Oh, <laughs> as well as your Irish leprechaun accent goes down. Yes. Well. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm I'm pushing this and pushing it. Even when they get angry, I still carry on with it because I think the anger is just their expression, a way of expressing their enjoyment of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just shows that you're you're making progress. I think. I actually, I, after the the last podcast, I had somebody send me a link to um, there's a new Muppets movie out where the Swedish chef is rapping. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was very good. I want we to should hear, definitely move on. I want to hear no more about that. <laughs> we should move on from the Swedish chef. Um, Yes, so episode the 42, and a half, Yeah. Kinda. Do you want to mention the war? No. Okay. <laughs> isn't, isn't it funny, 42 is the meaning of life and everything, and it's the meaning of three podcasts have been recorded for episode 42, and hopefully this one will actually turn into something. See the light but of yes, day. Yeah, it, it kind of got recorded, and then the people didn't like it, so it got unrecorded. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast together. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and to be honest, Colin, you're far better company. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very good to hear you, mate. I mean, we, we've both been super, super busy. I mean, you've been flying here, there and everywhere, and you obviously recorded that special podcast with um, uh, from Flight with Nick. With Nick, yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. I actually, I, had, I always have the best of intentions when I travel. I'm like, yeah, I've got to do like 11 interviews and then... It's yeah. It always proves more difficult than it seems. But then I managed to lure Nick into my bedroom, and uh, <laughs> yeah, if you could see my mic stand as well, I, you don't understand how uh, how surprising it is that he didn't run out of the room. But um, yeah, Nick was in good form, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Like Nick's someone that uh, I've got a lot of time for, a lot of respect for, and I think they're doing really great things in New Zealand. So it was lovely to to chat to him. He um, when I was in New Zealand a few years back, he did an in my mug with me. Um, Oh, yeah. and, and and was like absolutely so excited I was there and the whole reason he, he was excited I was there he's like you know Colin Harmon don't you <laughs> I was like yes I do thanks Nick mm. so I've never really forgiven him for that um, but I'm exactly the same when I'm traveling I have this great idea I'm going to record loads of podcasts and loads of interviews and all of that and then I just end up getting drunk and not recording anything at all. So well done for actually creating some material and, and doing something positive while you were out there. Yeah, I, um, I feel like I could do a bit more of it in the future, but definitely at least there was one done, so it's a start. Um, yeah. I'm sorry for overshadowing you and Nick's eyes. That's never my intention. Yeah, right. Well, I'll tell, um, I'll tell you a funny story, though, because I, I, do, um, I do quite a bit of travelling with uh, James Hoffman. So obviously because we both do work at Victoria Arduino. And... You kind of end up like falling into the background when, when you're walking through trade shows and events with James because like James is center of attention for everybody. 
and me and him were walking through the trade show in Seattle, um, not the one past, the one before that. And um, we were walking through the trade show and this guy just stands in the middle of the alley and he goes, oh my God. And James kind of rolled his eyes as I go, here we go again. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He goes, can I possibly get a photograph? And James goes, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem at all. And the guy stands forward, hands James his phone and then puts his arm around me. <laughs> I was like, the one time this is ever going to half a time, just going to milk this one. And then he took his phone back off, James, and said thank you to me and walked off. <laughs> and he didn't even know who he was. I was like, yeah, uh, I'm going to milk and that And indeed, forever. you have milked it, Jeff, because you have told that story on Tampa Tantrum before, but really? you enjoyed it the second time. Oh, yeah. See, I get mixed up between real life and Tampa Tantrum all the time. <laughs> edit that one out. Yeah, no, we won't. We'll leave that right in there. So, how was the rest of the Australia New Zealand trip? Good. Um, it, it was less intense than the last time I went. So, we just went to Melbourne again, obviously, and spent a good few days there, and then moved on to Sydney. It was my first time in Sydney. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I really, really like Sydney. Um, so, Emily Oak came and met me and showed me around all the places that she goes. And uh, I had a walk around Surrey Hills with the guys from. Um, uh, Singalo uh, brought me out and yeah we went down to Toby's estate and kind of wanted to spend more time in Sydney actually um, but yeah it was a uh, yeah, really cool city and then on to Auckland and Wellington have you ever landed in oh you've been to Wellington have you, you've landed in an airplane in Wellington and at Auckland yes but, yeah. uh, Wellington yeah. is a life changing experience when you're landing in an airplane mm. you a, know how I like the airplane travel yeah yeah so that was all sorts of fun um good it was interesting because like from the perspective of the last time i went to australia was obviously on uh uh doing a trip where, to promote the mythos one grinder and to say that there was a lot of people were interested but very skeptical yeah. and this time around um it's incredible just to see them everywhere uh, so we did a bit more kind of gravimetric work as well this time because they couldn't afford hoffman obviously and um <laughs> They uh, and I, th I kind of see the same skepticism about the graphometric that I saw about the Mythos One last time, but the Mythos One is, is in most places now, so kind of hopeful that there's a there's a lot of stuff going to roll out in the next few months. So yeah, it was a really interesting trip, and yeah, Melbourne is still like we could just talk about Melbourne every week. Yeah, it amazes me how going back to what you just said about the Mythos. Uh, it amazes me how many coffee shops I go into now, and I actually just see them sitting on the counter, and you don't even look at them. That you just expect them to be there. Um, there's normally an EK43 sitting beside them, not doing a lot of work um, for the brew bar because they started with espresso and then nearly died measuring out all those doses. But, um, <laughs> yeah, what idiot started that? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. How crazy would that be? Um, but now it's really good to see the the, the mythos kind of turning up in um, more and more places and. Um, and it's a good opportunity to thank our sponsors. No, no, we're not going to thank the sponsors. We thank them enough. We love them. But um, no, that it really has. And, and, and uh, the Black Eagle, I see, kind of start to pop up in interesting shops as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. good. Well, I think even uh, like the next show after that was obviously Host. Uh, and at Host, you can see a lot more attention being paid to grinders now. So, like, um, like Malkunig have launched a, a new uh, grinder that has, um, I, I think it was a prototype, but it wasn't ready for launch, but has a, a built-in scales. So did Matzer, interestingly enough. Um, I believe someone, uh, like someone from way out left field, if you're in Zato, have a scales in a grinder now. Wow. Yeah. 
and um, then there was other some like a lot of concepts out there. The guys at San Rainbow had another concept grinder as well. So like, I remember doing a blog post about probably is it about three years ago now, like hoping that there would be like the start of a grinder era because we'd seen so many advancements and novelties attached to espresso machines. But it would be good to see something with it with grinders, and I I do think that's started now. There's a lot more stuff coming out. Definitely feels that way that there's um, a lot more interest in it. And I think uh, I'd love to give all of the claim to you, Colin, because I obviously love you dearly. But, you know, I think Matt started a lot of that fire going just with, I know it wasn't the first to use the EK43, but just that stage that he used it on. Oh, definitely. With WBC really just kind of sparked, okay, we should definitely do something with these. And um, now it's exciting to see. I think um, it was somewhere that I, I, I remember having the conversation like eight, nine years ago. Where everybody was saying, you know, looking at pressure profiling and, you know, temperature stability machines and all of this stuff. It's like, this is great, but like, why are grinders still really shit? Um, and there's still so much to go. Like, we yeah. we still know so little. We still know Indeed. so little. Like, um, yeah, like I'm kind of seen as an authority and I know fuck all. So, the, uh... oh, I, I, I thought of you the other day. I was I was in the I was in the shop here. And uh, we were stripping down the mythos, and we took the we take taking the birds out just to give it a good clean and, and strip it down. And um, I said I said to Jockin, the barista there, was like, "Yeah, you need to wash those in washing up liquid." Um, and he looked at me as if I'd gone completely and utterly <laughs> It's amazing how many people still do are, are doing that. Like it's it's um, like I go to cafes in Australia and I walk in, they're like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Grand, we had a good." They're like, "We're washing our birds." I'm like. Good. <laughs> so, but but the thing is, first of all, he didn't know what washing up liquid was. Oh, right. it didn't translate very well. But then second, when I explained it to him, he said, okay, I believe you, but why? And I had no answer for him. And I, I, Colin Harmon said so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and apparently that was enough to get the job done. So There you go. Yeah, they are now washing their burrs in... Um, I forget, what the, I forget what the Swedish is for washing up liquid, but it's not washing up liquid or fairy liquid. Um, it took us a number of times to get there. <laughs> Can I well imagine? Yes. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's very cool. So, host. I, I haven't been to. I went to host for the first time two years ago, um, but didn't get to see any of the show because I was doing the All Stars MCing. So yeah, that was on again this year. I went down and did. What did I do? Oh, I did uh, an interview uh, about building a brand with. Um, Sasha Sasha Sestich and um and uh, who else is it Maxwell yeah yeah so uh, that was good fun um kind of had nothing to do with building a brand but anyway it was a nice chat that we had um, <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've done a few talks over the years on building a brand and and it's kind of like um marketing has always been something I've been really interested in and like people always just kind of roll their eyes when you say that like and i'm always a believer that like you know it's a very it's a viable thing it's it doesn't have to be about tricking people into buying shit um but like there's a real struggle out there for people to understand what 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 a brand is like what the word brand means and i feel that most conversations on brand just slip into conversations about other stuff but it was fun nonetheless anyway um and aside from that i didn't really see a huge amount it's just so colossal that show that i kind of i have little to no interest in walking around because it just makes you bloody tired so yeah i don't know i remember lots of delicious gelato um yeah and there's a uh, like for anyone that that doesn't that hasn't been um so italy is a is a relatively big european country 
Host is actually four times the size of Italy. And it, um, <laughs> it is just absolutely full of like, there are 20,000 people a day there or something ridiculous like that. And to make matters worse or better, depending on whether you're holding the purse strings or not, um, the expo was in Milan this year. So that's just like um, yeah, this colossal event next door. So it was also the last week of it, which made everything an absolute shitstorm. And on top of all that, the European Music Awards were in the city as well. So you can imagine what it was like trying to get a taxi anywhere. Milan, to me, is the most un-Italian city I've ever been to. It like feels like so un-Italy. I had terrible pasta there. I had terrible wine there. Um, and people were horrible to me there. Whereas every other part of Italy I've been to, everybody seems to be really nice and a lot different to that. And it gave me a very bad imp- first impression of Italy when I went two years ago. Yeah, it's but, weird. Um, I don't even think the Italians think of the, uh, the Milanese as, um, as, as Italian. It's like it's a very industrial city and they're kind of, um, yeah, they wouldn't be as engaging, I think, as other Italians. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't enjoy it very much at all. So the talk about the brand is a very nice segue, thank you, Colin, um, into talking about what you're doing at the moment. Because I don't think a lot of people have heard about this, but you've gone back to school. Yeah, um, yeah, somehow I decided that I had loads of time to fill. <laughs> you are well known for your uh, excessive amounts of time, what with two children, travelling the world with Simonelli, uh, running a successful coffee shop and roastery. Um, you thought, yeah, well, I can see why you would think, oh, so much spare time, what can I do? Yeah, well, it's, so I took, I've started a Master's in Innovation, Enterprise and Design in the Smurfit Business School in Dublin, um, which is kind of the business school attached to the university that I went to. And yeah, it's been super interesting. Like it's, um, it's, I kind of like, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I think everybody that I meet kind of looks at me and goes, what are you going back to university for? But I think you probably understand this a bit that sometimes you kind of, you get to a certain stage and you're like, you're getting like a relative level of success and you think this is kind of going very well. And there's always a voice in the back of your head going, God, I hope nobody fucking finds out. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's this kind of sense that like you're kind of making it up as you go along. And I like I know like I learned over the years that like everybody has that thought. But then I kind of got the feeling that you know I've done well to get where I am. But let's like take stock, reskill, and see if we can go again. You know what I mean? And it's mm. actually really nice because when I was in when I was in the university, I kind of like um, I was doing it so I'd get a degree, so I could get a job. Um, and that was my reasons and sometimes it was hard to motivate myself to be interested in that whereas this time I kind of feel that I'm doing it because I want to do it do you know what I mean like and I think yeah. I'll, I think I'll, I'd like to think I'll do pretty well but at the same time all the way through it I'm still I'm just kind of there because I want to learn you know what I mean which is a completely different feeling like I kind of leave class with a smile on my face which is a really odd thing for me well I think that whole thing being a mature student and you are a mature student now just just pointing out I have a student card yeah, but you're still a mature student. You're one of the one that all the kids make fun of. Your granddad. Yeah. Um, no, I, I kind of I've done a little bit of education. Kind of, uh, I didn't do a lot at school, but I, I did a little bit after school. Um, I actually did. I did a. Uh, it's kind of like a nursing qualification, but it's in HIV uh, counselling, yeah. and that was while I was while I was in the prison service, and I properly enjoyed that. I never and I, like I used to look forward to getting homework. Um, it was bizarre, 
Whereas at school, I never did homework and rarely went to school. So uh, I, I definitely think when you, when it's a, a topic that you're interested in or there's a reason to do it, it can it can be a really big motivator. Yeah, um, and I think like one thing that did did kind of spark me to doing it was was innovation itself. Is that like I, I find it really interesting as a topic, and it's I kind of touched on a little bit on the in the at the end of the um, the temper tantrum talk, um, fat cupping, and but they. Um, it's like I go, I spend a lot of time traveling to different places. So do you. And what I see is like different places. There, there seems to be kind of like a tick the box mentality about how to be a specialty coffee shop or a specialty coffee roastery. And that scares the hell out of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there needs yeah. to be something else. We need to change. We need to approach things differently, you know? Uh, and it's difficult. It's risky, you know? And it's, um, it doesn't always work out the way you want it to work, but it's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's yeah, a lot of that is kind of like how do you, how do you like innovate within what you're doing already? Like, and how do you build innovation into your system so that you're constantly innovating? It's funny how that tra- that what you say there about the you know the tick box mentality of setting up a coffee shop translates across the world as well. There's um there's a coffee shop in uh, La Paz in Bolivia called Boutique. Um, and they've done exactly the same things that you would do anywhere else to be a specialty coffee shop. So they've got a pour over bar, they've got a nice espresso machine, they've got a ro- they've got a roaster in the shop behind a lovely glass wall so you can see what's going on. They've got Barista magazine on the table. Um, and it's just like, they really have just got the book and gone, what do we need to do to do this? Okay, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, and it'll be perfect. Um, and it just, it is really scary because uh, that's so easy to copy. It's so easy for somebody to come along and just set up their own brand and own shop and well, be a competitor. Well, the scariest thing is when you, like, you see places opening and it's that kind of classic, all the gear and no idea, you know? Like, the, it, they're just tick box kind of ca- coffee shops. and But the consumer doesn't know the difference. Yeah. Or else, or else something happens, something bad happens at that place and then they say, oh... All specialty coffee shops are awful because I had this experience at this place, and that's why, like, I'd be always very reluctant to like to kind of pigeonhole ourselves within the specialty coffee bracket because you you kind of like you're you're almost taking on all the bad stuff as well as all the good stuff. You know what I mean? You kind of need to. It's important to kind of see yourself as as an individual, but it's um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I'm enjoying it anyway. Um, I find I'm kind of like. Uh, applying a lot of what I'm learning into my everyday life whether it's helping or not I don't know but um, I'm definitely doing it so um, yeah I'm uh, looking forward to cracking on cool cool I'm going to ask you lots of questions of that as it goes on because I'm super interested as well Um, I I think yeah education is an an amazing thing and I've said for a long time that you needed some kind of education so uh, (laughs) yeah it's good that you picked it up would you consider going back yourself uh, if I had a spare second, I would. Um, but as everybody knows, my life is fairly chaotic and hectic at the moment. So, uh, but I'd love to. I'd love to go. And, but I wouldn't do anything to do with business or coffee. I don't think I would go and do something I really wanted to do. Like what? Like just I don't know. Um, you know my frustration with languages. I, I would. I'd love to go and do something properly with languages or. Um, and I maybe go and do like something practical, like a plumbing course or something like that. Like I don't know. You know what just... I'd always like if I if I don't know if I sold out to Starbucks tomorrow. If you're listening, Starbucks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would. I'd love to learn how to um, 
uh, like do a mechanics course. I'd love to understand how engines work. Yeah. Like just buy a really old car and do it up. But I probably have. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'd go for. Is something that is not you know something that educates you. And you learn something new and you gain a new skill, but um, not necessarily to do with business. Um, but yeah, one one day when I say when I get that spare three seconds, I might try and cram something in like you have. And we got to see each other recently. When was that? Oh, in Manchester, yeah. I was kind of, I was trying to think. We definitely did. Where was that? Yeah, Cup North. Um, wasn't coffee throwing brilliant? (laughs) So so much fun in coffee throwing. Oh, I think I don't think I should be allowed to judge anything though. I did get carried away. Yeah, I did like people looking at me. my favourite bit was when the, that wedding party turned up and we're kind of like <laughs> staring over the fence at like people chucking bags of coffee to the brain and being like, what the hell is going on there? Um, that was all kinds of interesting. But yeah, it was it was so much fun. It was really good fun. And, and I think everybody kind of embraced it for the fun that it was. Um, I think the beers from Buxton really helped as well, though. Yeah. Um, I think all barista competitions should start with free beer for entrance. Yeah. Um, it can only make them better. Although Dale did manage to embarrass himself terribly by singing the national anthem, and um, oh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, there is some video evidence on on the on the interwebs um, showing that. But it, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great fun. I thought the winners were very interesting and very diverse, and um, yeah, it was it was really good fun. And I actually think Cup North itself was good fun. I got to have a little bit of a wander around for once. And um, really interesting, diverse mix of people presenting there, from like green importers through to coffee shops, kind of. And I didn't like for a consumer show. I, I was questioning the value of um, a green importer being there, for instance. But I guess there were lots of coffee folks around. So uh, there are yeah. there are a lot of coffee roasters in the UK. There are a lot of little small ones. Yes. Oh, I agree. It's, it, it's absolutely exploded in the past three years. Um, it is crazy how many new people come up. And roast I've never heard of. I mean, I was walking around, I saw a couple I've never heard of before. Um, and I guess that's my bad. But I used to kind of know everybody that was starting up and now hardly know anybody. It's, it's it's really has exploded. It's like we used to, when we, we held coffee uh, events in Dublin, like the same 40 people would turn up. And you'd know everybody by name. You'd know where they worked, whatever. And we held this um, event at the Fumbly. Um, the guys at First Draft organised it, and James Hoffman came over, and um, Professor Berman, I believe his name is, he was a, a, a philosopher who wrote this piece on coffee drinkers being either sourists or bitterists, which is kind of, yeah, a whole other spiel. But anyway, there was like 60 people there, and I reckon I knew about 10% of them. Like, all these complete strangers. And just looking at them going, who are all you people? Like... It's kind of cool to see, you know, that this can happen, but you've no idea who all these people are. So it's definitely growing and turning into something that it wasn't before. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think we do see that. Um, what did you think of the the the, the tamper tantrum speakers? Uh, uh, one of them was really rubbish. Um, <laughs> Actually, did something about cooking. I know she's listening in the background, so I should probably take this this opportunity to apologise to Jen for going way over time. But in my defence, okay. I, I would look back at it and I, I like the first few minutes I was going on the song whatever and then because of my dodgy eyesight I looked down and I like I finished on 32 minutes and I walked off that stage convinced that I'd gone two minutes over that I'd done 22 minutes 
Um, so like I, I think I got halfway through and I just looked at the screen for the time and I got it completely wrong and I was like, oh yeah, completely on time. That's great, yeah. So yeah. To be honest, me and Jim, me and Jen sat down when we were building the thing together and we gave you an hour anyway because we know we can't shut you up when you get going. <laughs> so we actually built into it your uh, your ability to go way over. Um, it's been very well received. Yeah, Jen sent me on some numbers there. Um, it's quite um, yeah, it's quite crazy how big it is. Like it's, I think. Look at you, the internet celebrity. You're more popular than cats. I have a lot of cousins. <laughs> you haven't married any of them have you <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah it's like I think there was like 5,000 videos watches in the first week or something which is yeah and that was before um, Mr. Perker put it in his barista hustle yeah, yesterday so as well which I'm more than double well, it, sure, well, yeah I was going to say that was sure that will affect his, the numbers because I know when he did, he put the link into his talk that he did for Shanghai yeah um, it was it just went through the roof I mean it, so over 10,000 people get that barista hustle now. So uh, I'll tell you what, just like right on the fly, all right? This is Tamper Tantrum live podcast. We oh already have. God. Hang on a second here. Oh, God. Oh Hurry God. up. Okay, this is taking ages to load. He pointed um, barista hustle at um, an old blog post I did like five years ago or something. And um, I'll go on here. Yeah. And I'll see if I can. Uh, Pull up what impact it has. This is great radio. This is really <laughs> great. Honestly, <laughs> this is nailing it. If we don't lose, I mean, I'm sure we've lost people anyway, but we just they. Okay, so aside from that, anyway, the um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Matt North, I, I like. Yeah, I didn't really know Matt very well. Just kind of knew often more than anything, but I was really impressed at Matt. Really, really mm-hmm. impressed. And seems like a super guy as well. What about Laurent, though? Yeah, it was really good. I don't know. I kind of expected his to be good, though. Do you know what I mean? Does that kind of like... I don't know. It's like... It's weird. It's like one of those things where people go, oh, they did really... It's like when like when James or something. People go, so he's really good. You're like, well, duh, it's James. Of course it was good. <laughs> you idiot. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was It was actually really good. I really want to go visit that restaurant. It's amazing. I've, I've been... Um, and... Um... Yeah, I did the whole uh, a la carte menu. I did the tasting menu, sorry. And then they've got some rooms there as well. It's sat bains with rooms is the, what the, 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 the restaurant's called. And the, the accommodation there is phenomenal. And then breakfast was even better in the morning. And it's a very, very cool place. But no, I think with Laurent, one thing I learned, that if I ever get the honour of doing another Tampa Tantrum talk in the future, then uh, I'm going to bring wine. He brings out, gets everybody on side. He wine to drink. <laughs> I did enjoy the wine. I was um... oh, so good, so good. Um, but no, and I, I mean, it's unfair to pick out just one speaker because I think everybody brought something slightly different to it all. But um, no, I, I really, I, I really enjoyed our Manchester speakers. It's uh, um, kind of when you build something like that and you build the difference, but you're always looking for different levels and different areas and different focuses. And I think everybody kind of brought that, um, which is good to have that diversity. And then uh, Paris rolled along pretty quickly after that. Oh, wow. I mean, so Paris was, was a weird one. Um, one, I was, I was really looking forward to it to start off with. And then of course we had the terrible news just a few days before we were meant to be going out, the, the, the atrocities that went on there. And it kind of suddenly puts you on, Ooh, it's just going to happen. Um, you know, one, I thought that the 
people of Paris may not be up for six idiots to come and talk about coffee. Um, and then I thought that, you know, things may be affected transport getting in and out, all of that. And I know that they put a lockdown on the city for like 24, 48 hours. So that was also a concern. But Jen was pretty much on the ball straight away and got in touch with um, the organisers and the, and, the, and the hosts and the BGE and said, like, what do you want to do? And I think after a little bit of, like, after everything had settled down, everybody was very positive in the mindset that this had to happen. It wasn't like we wanted to happen. It was like, this has got to happen. Um, you can't let this change the way that we live our lives and the things that we do. And as soon as that nod came from uh, the hosts, uh, that was it. It was like, no, this is definitely going to happen. But the city had such a strange feel to it when we arrived. Like, so strange. Um, can't put my finger on what it was, but it was just subdued. And I've been to Paris a number of times and it's never felt like that before. Yeah. Um, the apartment we were stopping in was about 500 metres from the nightclub where the, the terrorists had gone in with the machine gun. So you could see it all cordoned off and there were flower tributes and people lighting candles and there was something very touching about that, but also something you know, made it very real that, you know, we were sitting in a bar across the road from it and you just think, wow, you know, like a few days before, chaos was here. It's scary to think about it, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Um, but yeah, we, the, the, the show happened. Um, of course, you couldn't make it. I did make your apologies. I, I said it was because you hated the French. Um, <laughs> it definitely wasn't that. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, he, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, one of my sons was taken ill. Now he's 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 fine now, but we we spent the weekend in hospital with him as a precaution, um, and that had kind of ruled us out from the start. Actually, because I was supposed to go to Sweden as well before that, and that wiped that trip out even before. Um, uh, what happened in Paris but the strange thing was that like I was obviously disappointed not to be going to Tampa Tantrum but I was saying okay well I've got to stay here and look after my son um, and then but when that happened in Paris it made me want to go even more it was only then that I was like oh I really want to be there because I felt that like there's there's very little you can do in these situations you know you can tweet some message of support or use a hashtag or something but actually turning up in a city and and like just, I don't know, being there is, is the best way to support that city. And so I'm definitely going to try and get back to Paris in the next few months because like I've always been, uh, I've always like, I've spent a lot of time in France over the years and it's um it's an incredible place. And I think uh, it's the best way, like I say, to support the city. So good not to have been there, but definitely going to try and make it over soon. Yeah, no, and I, being mean to you, I did, I did send your real apologies i promise i didn't say that you hated everybody but you do <laughs> um i told everybody in sweden that's why you weren't coming here was because you hated them all um and they said they knew so uh, yeah yeah well there's um, no, that's all right so <laughs> we go uh, never coming again um we got to the main day and um amazing like there were i think there were 90 tickets and we, i think we had something like 94 people there I think some people snuck in and just kind of, yeah, we can do some extras. Um, for every single Tampa Tantrum talk, there was standing room only. And me and Jen, at, like at the lunch break, we just looked at each other and said, this feels like the first one did in Dublin. It was weird. Really? There was a buzz. There was a real kind of interaction. Um, and the speakers, like, I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say it's the best ever lineup 
we ever had. Better than the first year. Better than the Bear first in mind year. that me and you were in the lineup the first year, I Steve. <laughs> exactly. That's gonna, I mean, that's going to improve it. Many percenters not being involved. But no, honestly, the, the, the lineup, everybody delivered an amazing presentation. Like, everybody. Um, there was not, you know, sometimes you kind of go, I get it, but I didn't enjoy it so much. Or that, that wasn't, like, I learned something from every single talk. Those talks are going to be absolute gold dust. Like, each one of them. Like, Klaus Thompson was, who actually did turn up, by the way. He did turn up. <laughs> yeah, I still have this inkling that he just, like, he'd, he'd like, send us a direct message on Twitter on the day, going, like, ha, 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 fuck you. And <laughs> as if. <But> he <laughs> Hashtag was, dickheads. <laughs> he was a millimetre away from getting a standing ovation. I have never seen a round of applause at an end of a presentation that Klaus got. It was an, it, the whole thing was amazing. It was super well organised, well done to BG, well done to Frog Fight. It was amazing. That's great. Really, really good. Um, and I say, each of the speakers, um, like just, and it was so funny. After the first morning, we did the round table kind of thing again. And we had, um, there was Tim Wendelbow, there was Patrick Rob Carlson from Five Elephants, and there was Stefan Cataldi. From, and I can't remember Stefan's coffee company name, which is really bad. Cataldi. Is it Cataldi? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I can remember it then. Um, and we, they were sitting there and they were talking about all their experiences, but like three incredibly different roasters. And in part of Stefan's talk, he talked about he's just bought a 25 kilo Loring. Um, and, you know, he, he's really excited that he's you know, going to be able to roast on a bigger scale. He started on a one kilo roaster in his garage at home and he's kind of built up to this. And Patrick just turned to the audience and says, really makes me think how lucky I am because like I started with a 25 kilo lorry. And this guy's kind of come a completely different route. Um, But, you know, he's he's still pushing for quality and pushing for, to change uh, the industry and change what they're doing. It, it It was really... I know it's a really good moment. Yeah, um, seeing those three different kind of people up there. I'm looking forward to seeing Patrick's because I, I, I've, uh, he, oh, this sounds really bad, but I was, um, I was in the cafe one morning. It was really busy, and um, there was a dude sitting beside the door, uh, and I was like, I recognise him, and I just thought he was one of the guys from nearby. And then I was driving to the roast street. I was like, Oh my god, that's the dude from Five Elephant. And then I just suddenly clocked that there was the Dublin Coffee and Tea shows on that week. Um, oh, and I was like, so by that, I texted Robin, but she said uh, that he left, and I was like, shit. So then I just looked like an asshole. But I don't know a huge amount about him, like, or where he came from. I just, all the, about a year ago, these bags of five elephants just start turning up on my desk from customers that had visited Berlin, you know, whatever, what we call the coffee wormhole. And just being really impressed with the coffee and kind of going, okay, where's this coming out of? Because usually, you know, you'd kind of know where you'd you'd hear about this, but they kind of, well, for me anyway, came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, must admit, I mean, I don't know masses about Five Elephants apart from kind of, you know, different things. I mean, Pat, Patrick was started his roasting career at Di Matteo um, in Sweden. He's a Swedish originally. Um, and uh, kind of I, what I do know about them is they're obsessive about the numbers. So, um, like, logging everything and and that was a lot of out of his talk was you know about the, the, the details that they're logging um i heard a story the other day that apparently they log how many people are in the roastery while they're roasting i don't know how true that is or whether that was just <laughs> a coffee myth um but they literally log everything down 
um, just to, to see, and, and, and kings of crapster. Um, so, am um, I taking it that you're not um, you're not uh, any more convinced than you were before? No, no, I'm just being controversial and shocking. No. Um, I've actually been spending quite a bit of time with Cropster, so um, yeah, because I've, I've had to. And um, I can see the need for it if you don't have any confidence in what you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking again. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't kill me. Um, no, I, I, I am. I am starting to see uh, there are benefits to it in certain situations. Um, I'm just not sure they're benefits for me, but... Uh, I do see why people like it. You know, I'm normally somebody who absolutely adores data, so I don't know why I have this mental block with it. And I, I, I keep, I, I talked to you about it a few months back that I'm actually tempted to do 30 days like with it and just kind of go, okay, I'm just going to do 30 days and everything I roast on this one roaster, I'm going to use crops to This board. is like when you and went just... paleo, paleo for 30 days because Hoffman told you to remember <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I kind of quite fancy the idea of doing like a, a blog post diary of it, you know, of kind of like, this is the, this is what I found, this is what I liked, this is what I didn't like, and then just trying to come to a conclusion at the end. Um, so yeah, I, have, I haven't ruled out still diving into it fully. Um, I do see its bonus, I do see its uses, I do see that it is a tool um, that can be used. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more warmer to it than I was six months ago and for those of you that, that for, for those people listening that don't know why you've been forced to use it do you want to fill them in on, and also why the hell you're in Sweden randomly enough well they should have listened to the last podcast two weeks ago but yes I, I am now part owner of Drop Coffee Roasters uh, in uh, Stockholm and uh, Joanna is the uh, the queen of Cropster she absolutely like sings its praises in one of the ambassadors for it um, so she's been forcing me. I actually have a login for the Drop Coffee Cropster that I have to go in and see. And I get an email every day telling me how much coffee we've roasted and all of those things. So I, I have been using it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm here in Sweden, in Stockholm. I'm spending a little bit of time here just setting things up and trying to... Uh, yeah, I was playing coffee shop manager how that this week. The shop's still standing. Well, that's something anyway. Nobody's resigned. If you figure it out, will you let me know how to do it? Oh, jeez, I have no idea. To be honest, I sat downstairs for an hour and I organised the pens um, in the office and I played solitaire on the computer for a while because I saw that's what you did. Um, and then I went out for lunch because, again, I was following what you've taught me to no, do. No, no, you for, you're supposed to do a blog post and then go to Australia. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> um no, it was, it was lots of fun. Um, I really enjoy the phone calls that the scales have broken. Um, I very much enjoy the phone calls that um, there's a leak in the sink. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's challenging. The hot plate broke as well that they make the soup on. So I had I had to go to Klaus Olsen and buy a new hot plate, um, which was a, an adventure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good fun, good fun. I mean, I've. I, I did. I wasn't really managing it. It was all done, but I was just kind of hanging around the shop for a few days and drinking coffee and meeting the crew a little bit more. And I spent a bit of time at the roastery, which is where I am now. And um, yeah, it was, it was jolly, jolly good fun. But like, aren't shops hard? They are. Like, I don't. There's just. I don't know. I have to be really careful when I run the shop, or like, I don't work in the shop anymore. But like, the guys that come up and they'll they'll say oh this has happened or this has happened and like they'll be really worried about a problem 
And you, you kind of become desensitized to all this shit that just constantly happens. Like, our shop is open seven days a week. Like, we, I think we're closed about four days a year, even. And there's just constantly shit going wrong. And I have to be very... You know, do you ever hear of resting bitch face? Mm. Yeah, so like, <laughs> resting bitch face is this phrase about, like, some people just have... Like, they just look really angry or bitchy. Just their resting faces like that. I tend to have resting, disinterested face. And I guess it gets me in trouble all the time because, like, people will say something to me and I just, like, will seem vaguely disinterested. But usually it's because I'm thinking about what they just told me. It's not because I am disinterested. But when it comes to these problems, I have to sometimes feign shock and kind of like, oh, I can't believe that's happened. That's a big deal because I'm so used to all the shit going wrong all the time that it, it doesn't really phase me anymore. And I don't even, I just like, okay, how big is the fire? You know, it's just kind of like, <laughs> um, so, because sh- coffee shops are just like that. There's just constantly something breaking, like an angry letter from a customer, um, I don't know, hate mail, whatever the fuck. Like, it's just, yeah, there's just always something going wrong. And So last Saturday, um, a week last Saturday, Lisa, our shop manager, went, she was using Tel Aviv, um on on holiday and um i get a phone call on the sunday morning from one of the crew at the shop and bear in mind i'm in birmingham and pick up the phone i was like hello swedish number don't know this one oh yeah hi steve the steam ones stopped working the, the espresso machine's still working but the steam one's gone and i went is it on three phase and i went yes yeah. that one of the fuses has gone in the three phase so i said do you know how to change the fuse and she went oh yeah no i know how to do that and I was talking to her on Saturday and I said, everything went okay with it. Yeah, apart from I got an electric shock. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and, and she put the fuse in but didn't put the cover over it. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and the fuse in a bit, and a few volts going through. So um, I, I did need a killer crew member. Yeah, um, that's not, that wouldn't be a good thing. No, 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 no. But I, 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 oh, listen, we, we had a really busy Sunday, uh, which was my last day in charge. And uh, the shop is still standing and all the crew are still as they left them. So um, it's good that nobody got, uh, uh, n- nobody resigned, nobody died. Um, is there, just one shot. Is there a future in it for you? I, uh, do you know, I think I kind of leave it to professional people. I don't mind filling in and, and, it, and it's fun for that. And I kind of like... I like being able to play, and I, but I'm able to play without managing it. So I can just say, should we try this? Um, and I don't have to do all the hard work, so I don't think so. Um, I don't think the crew would like me to do it for too long. Um, but I don't know. There's something fun in it. Um, I've got. It kind of gave me lots of ideas. Like you kind of, kind of want, you've always talked to me about workflow. And I kind of go, yeah, 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 I get it, you know, because you've got workflow within the roastery, but it's completely different behind the bar. Oh, my God, it's so different. Um, yeah, it's like two seconds is really important. And it's not that two seconds. Yeah. It's the 402 seconds that day. It's not even that, though. It's like in the roastery, it's behind closed doors and nobody's watching. So if you're a bit messy and you're a bit kind of clunky in your workflow, it doesn't look as bad. But behind a bar, if you're bad, it looks awful. And particularly if you're standing next to somebody who's pretty smart and he's doing things a lot kind of clever, like cleverer. Um, I just think that, I don't know, it's, it's the first time I've really seen it, even though I've been in like hundreds of coffee shops. It's the first time I really watched them. Ah, oh, okay. 
And then you look at where things are on the bar and go, why is that there? And they go, well, it's always been there. Wrong answer. Not, not, a, good, not a good answer. Why is it there? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of that in coffee shops just like, and it's, it can be really embarrassing at times because like people come into your coffee shop and like, there are people that might start, they just like start, start working and they'd be like, why is that there? And like everybody collectively goes, uh, I don't know. And you, like you, you stop seeing it. You stop yeah. thinking about why you do things a certain way. Just actually, I'll give you one. Okay, so I I, I, I have no idea why this happens. Okay, but like, let's say five years ago when we opened the shop, in, or four years ago when we opened the shop in Grand Canal Street, somebody decided to put a napkin under a brownie. Okay, now okay. if you've ever had a napkin under a brownie, you realise that when you pick up the brownie, the napkin sticks to it, and then you peel the napkin off. And there's bits of... With a bit of napkin left on the bottom, bit of napkin yeah. left on your brownie. And it's not very nice. And I don't know. I saw it like... I kind of sit there every day. I go, look, let's... Can everybody stop doing this? I don't know where it's come from, but we need to stop doing this. Like, oh, okay, it's fine. And then after about three or four or five months, it would just suddenly start again. And I don't know who <laughs> starts it. Like, and it, it started last week again in the shop. I'm like, who the fuck is putting the br- napkins under the brownies? Like, I don't know, like... It's, I think it must be like a mischievous customer who comes in and says, oh, I just met Colin on the street. He said to put napkins under the brownies. <laughs> I don't like, And it just does my head in. And it's like, you say it to people, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I actually don't like it being like that. And you're like, then why are you doing it? Oh, everybody else is doing it. And like, try to find the person that actually believes the napkin should be under the brownie is impossible. But everybody feckin' does it anyway. You know what I mean? That's coffee shops. Yeah. So, so on, on, on the changing of roles and me being like managing a coffee shop for a week, um, do you ever think you'll jump in the roastery and like kind of like, because uh, I know I'm, I'm leading you here because of the, the talk that you did, uh, the question answers you did after um, uh, your talk um, in uh, Manchester. But like, do you, ever th- do you ever get the feel that you're like, oh, I kind of want to go and play for a little while? Um, well, <laughs> the first answer is no, because we have a 22 kilo roaster. So me playing could be quite expensive and sort of dangerous. So, <laughs> um, I, I do what I don't like, I kind of, I like, it does, there's a lot of stuff you'd like to do, you know what I mean? But like, I'd love to, like, I'd love to build chairs, you know what I mean? <laughs> didn't you do that in Grand Canal Street? No, I didn't. No, Pizzi and Design Go did. I didn't do anything. But like, no, I definitely, I definitely would like to do it. But there's like, I like, there's a strong sense of like, I've fucking got loads of shit to do anyway. The guys are doing a really good job at it, and like, I, I also worry about like that's kind of their domain. It's not easy to work in a roastery. Like, you hear so many people saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to get a job as a roaster. I want to be a roaster," and you're like, "All oh, right, yeah." You never, I've never ever heard somebody say, oh, I've got to get a job in a factory. It's going to be great. <laughs> a really cold one with loads of lifting. <laughs> like, like, and that's what it is, you know? So like yeah. the guys that work at the roastery, they're like, they take pride in what they do. The last thing they want is bitty big balls coming down and going, oh, let me have a go at this. Because I reckon, despite not knowing anything about this, that I could probably do it better than you. <laughs> you know, like... So is that what you're saying, that I'm Billy Big Balls and I've been playing in the shop all <laughs> yeah, week? Was, <laughs> well, no, no, not the, not the last, but it's like... It's... I don't know. It's... I kind of... Um, yeah, I think I said this in the talk as well. I'm kind of proud that I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Because I kind of... I needed the business to grow in 
ways that didn't require me to be at the center of it. Like there's parts of the shop I just can't let go of, no matter how much yeah. I try, you know. So the roastery is kind of like um, it's been built off the back of supporting that team. Yeah. And we, we, we like we drink the coffee all the time. If it's a problem, they know about it very, very quickly. You see, the, 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 like, I mean, I'm kind of going back on what I just said about that. I, I don't know whether there's a future in it for me, but there's just an itch for me with the shop that, like, and I've talked about this before where I'll suggest to a customer saying, oh, you know, uh, have you thought about doing this in the shop? And they go, ah, yeah, you see, that, that, that wouldn't work. You've never run a shop, have you? And it kind of really gets my goat. And it's like, <laughs> yes, I have actually. I ran like for three years. I suggest to be guest crofter, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. It's exactly like that. But it's like I did run a shop for three years that nobody ever remembers. That was really bad, that's and not, I banned not, everybody. That's from. not the best defense, Steve. No, no, no. But like, okay, I know I've never, I've never run three FE, but you've used me as a sound board a lot of time for stuff, and I've seen stuff you've implemented there. So I do have experience of seeing things work. Oh yeah. yeah. And for me, this is my opportunity to kind of go all the things that you wouldn't do when I've suggested it's a good idea. I'm going to try and do them here. Um, and if you d- all I've got to do is convince Joanna that it's a good idea, then I can. Um, have you done any of those things yet? No, I, I, I have a seed planted in the mind that I think I'm slowly winning the war of attrition. Um, and if it does come off, it'll be fairly big. It'll be fairly, I don't know, I, I think it, uh, worthy of talking about on the Tampa Tantrum podcast anyway. But I don't want to blow it yet because I still, I'm still grinding away at it. I really want to, I've got this, it's something that's really different. Okay, and would when did they sell that color red paint in Sweden? <laughs> yeah, well, now I've got keys to the roastery. I do keep sneaking in every night and start painting it. Little bits of red here and there. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've got some signs being made that are going outside. It's like has been drop, and I mean we'll just take the drop off eventually, and it'll just be has been. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I like. I, there's something in me that wants to prove every coffee shop owner wrong when I've come up with a really good idea that they've said, "Oh no, that wouldn't work," and I just want to show them that actually it might. Yeah, but um, t- I'm telling you, like, if it did work, they go, "Yeah, but it's easy for you because," and then insert, insert some reason why it's easy for you. That's oh no, happens. for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that one. But I think um, actually, when you're saying about that itch, I definitely have that itch about roasting, like. If, if if you could guarantee me that everything would run smoothly for a month, it just uh, and then I could just go to the roastery and play. I would just I would be on that straight away. But that's kind of what I'm afraid of. Do you know what I mean? That like I would just get sucked in. That it is that like I kind of I, I look at the shop and I just see there's this big there's so many facets like ordering. I, I never understood how difficult it was to order milk. Particularly when it's in Swedish and it's on a Swedish website, and I've no idea what I'm. But like, I kept going to people like, "How much milk do you need?" I don't know. Well, how am I meant to know? I've never ordered the milk before. Why don't you have a standing order? There is a standing order, and I needed to know whether I needed to change the standing order or not. Uh-huh. And I didn't know if we had too much or too little. I don't know how much they use on a Saturday and Sunday compared to a Wednesday and a Thursday. Um, and it's just learning those little, you know, those little things that. It, yeah, yeah, it's getting harder. Well, if you if you wait around long enough, then my book might help you. Oh, you have a book? Yeah, no, that's what, that, I told you this before on, on Tabula, didn't I? No, I'm giving you a chance to plug the book. Oh, fuck, Come I'm on. shit at this. Oh, oh fuck man. it, I'm giving it up. I'm like, I just can't do it, Steve, I'm sorry. Okay, maybe. What's your book about, Colin? Well, essentially, it's about how to run coffee shops. 
Oh, can I can I proofread it for you? Yeah, yeah. Please. Um, but yeah, all those little things, you know. But yeah, I'm hoping to have that finished by mid next year. But actually, I was supposed to have it finished by Christmas, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But yeah. Well, if you need me to look over the rough draft, I can do with all the help that possible right now. Well, the one thing I will say about coffee shops, okay, is that like. The coffee, like we have a coffee shop and we have a roastery. And the coffee shop, I think, employs like sixteen people, and the roastery employs four. Okay, so there's there's quite a a big split there. The roastery turns over, uh, it's just not a huge amount more than the shop, but like recently just started turning over uh, more than the shop, and it's a lot more profitable. You know what I mean? And it's like from the outside, it's like the roastery is just like this is. Less staff, less complications. The problems tend to be long-term problems rather than short-term problems. Less stress. But I tell you something, that if I had to do one, I would tomorrow I would do the shop because the shop is like a baby to me. You know what I mean? Like, I love the shop. I think the other thing, Colin, as well, though, the shop is what it is because... You know, the roastery is what it is because of the shop. Sorry, that's what I meant. No, you know, like, I don't think the roast... If you just started 3FA Roastery before you'd started the shop... I think you would have found it much harder to stand out in the marketplace oh, completely. without that shop. And I think th- this is the one thing I've learned since being here in Sweden, is that just how important that shop window is uh, for other coffee shops to want to buy coffee from you um, and just being able to show how it can be done. And, th- and those things like giving ideas to customers, like has been, you know, famously doesn't have that shop. And I kind of, I would love to do it at some point purely because to try all those ideas but also I think it's a really easy way to say look this is the way to do it properly this is the way to do it well this is the way to do it smartly um, you know and, and, and I think that's what the shop has given to the roastery I don't think the roastery would be anywhere near as successful without the shop yeah um, well it's funny because somebody was saying to me I can't remember who it was now it's I think it was somebody at host was saying oh you know it's um it's good, like, it's a lot easier for places like 3FE or Workshop to have, um, to build customer bases because you have a reference point for your coffee, you know what I mean? Uh, whereas places like Hasbeen or Square Mile don't have um, a reference point. And to me, it kind of like, I think there's two ways you can look at that. Like, I think like Hasbeen and, and Square Mile and I'm trying to think of other, like Counterculture, they kind of have like a notional coffee shop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where it's like, oh, if we did have one, it would be the best coffee shop in the world. Whereas people can come to 3FE and go, oh, I had a coffee there yesterday. It was shit. They're, they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So there's kind of, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but there's definitely benefits to both. Yeah, no, there, there, there are, but there is definite benefit if you do the shop well. And I think on the whole, at 3FE, I don't want to say this out loud. Shit. You kind of do it quite well. So it's oh, that, that, that's going to be my ringtone. Oh, do people God. still have ringtones? Is that a thing anymore? <laughs> Only douches. So yes, you definitely can use as your ringtone. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think it's <laughs> eight two ten. She still play snake. <laughs> um, no, I think I think a good coffee shop is is a good reference point. But you're quite right. A bad coffee shop, on the other hand, is a terrible reference point. But I'm saying that too. Like, I think we have coffee shops, as in has-been has coffee shops, that people see very much as has-been shops because we've supplied them for a long time. We have a great relationship. And, you know, I don't have any over any control over how good a job they do, really. 
Um, so at least you have some control over what's presented. You know, if somebody goes into um, Fernandes and Wells, for instance, which is a, a great coffee shop we supply, most people go and go, oh, this is great, yeah, this is... But if they have a really bad day, I don't have any control over that. Or if they change, you know, the, the bar manager or the staff or all of those things, again, I have no control over that, whereas you do. And I think that's a big plus. Yeah. I like that you think I have control over it. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you have control over it. It's <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I still, uh, probably three or four times a week at this stage, I still have this like sense of impending doom about the WBC approaching, which is all these people coming to the shop and just picking holes in it. So, and uh, yeah, we'll see what I think after that week, maybe. Indeed. Well, we're rolling towards the hour, so I guess we should wrap up yeah yeah uh, before we lose anybody else can I just say though Carly it's been lovely to talk to you you too Stephen I'm kind of disappointed that we haven't actually fallen out you know that was kind of a nice rumour that I was spreading but I, I actually did start spreading that and I have had a few people kind of believe me as well yeah and they and they said to me I'm not surprised you fell out with him he's a dick and I was going to know lies are fun yeah <laughs> yeah I was like I've replaced Colin I've replaced Colin I've got rid of him Jen's my new co-host um but now there's been a few in between because we also had Erwin. Uh, yes. We went back to the old school video recording. That was awesome. How cool was that? Yeah. No, Erwin was great. And then we had obviously Nick and then we had... Um, Jen and Joanna. Um, Je- yeah, Jen and Joanna. So no, it's, been, it's been really cool. But um, it's been lovely to have you back, Colin. You too, dude. Please don't leave you so long next time. Definitely not. It's been good. Okay. That was Tamper Tantrum the 42nd. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Over and out. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.